From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 62. Today's show is brought to you by Lynda.com, Stamps.com, and Casper. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jason Snell. How are you? I'm doing uh, I'm doing fine. It rained here in California today, so we don't know what to do with ourselves. Oof. Well, I wonder I what know. that's going to do for the show today. I don't know. It's It's not raining now, and the thunder and lightning have stopped, because... Um, in my only semi-insulated garage, I have found that it's quite pleasant actually when it rains, um, but it's audible. So that would be interesting to do the uh, the rain podcast. But alas, I think it stopped raining now. It has not rained here today, so we are in kind mm. of bizarro land. It is weird. The sun the sun appears to be coming out right now because it is California. That's it. Dry up all that rain. Get us back to the brown. I bet it's still like twenty five degrees Celsius when it rains. It's uh, it's fifty one right now. Here. I don't know what that means. Uh that's ten. Okay. That's that's similar to here probably. Let me see mm. what my weatherman says. Um we have Oh, sixteen degrees. Look at that. It's the weather cast. It's warmer there too. Yeah, we're we're uh it's all messed up, Mike. Hmm. Everything's ruined. Should we do some follow up? Yeah, I think I think some follow up would be perfect. So I've come to a decision i think about my storage needs storage vertical vertical um and i think (laughs) so i've had a few people suggest this but i I had seen it but didn't really pay too much attention to it which is a product called the drobo mini Mm -hmm. the drobo mini is a much smaller box and it can connect by thunderbolt and usb3 i think uh, but the, what makes the Drobo Mini different is that the Drobo Mini can take two and a half inch SSDs in it. Mm. So this is probably the product I'm going to go for because I can attach it locally, which is what I want to do. And it's SSD, so it will be super fast, quiet, um, and, and everything else that I want. Up to four uh, laptop drives, essentially, but that includes SSDs. So you could get up to four SSDs in an array... That's not quite a raid because it's Drobo, and Drobo's not quite a raid. It's its own thing. Um, that's interesting. That's a, that's an interesting. That'll get you your your fast, silent storage, won't it? It will. But there is one. There is two problems with this. With this, um, SSDs are still relatively small, um, and expensive, and extremely expensive. That's problem two. So I found on Amazon. Because I wanted to take a look at the prices of SSDs, what was available, and what was kind of tested and approved by Drobo. And there are some SSDs that I found, I think they were Samsung, which are a terabyte, but they're £250 each. And the enclosure is £500. That's very heavy. That sounds much heavier than it should be. Oh, you mean money? Okay, that's still that's oh, very dear, that's actually dear, very dear. heavy for money. Womp, very expensive. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Well, we converted Fahrenheit to Celsius earlier. It's only fair. That's that's um yeah, it, it, it's not cheap. So I will be looking at four terabytes for <laughs> one thousand five hundred pounds. Oh my god, that's like buying another. How much did your iMac cost? Uh, that's half the price of my iMac. Wow. So. Basically, this is the solution that I am planning on going for, but now I need to get the money together to get it. Um, and with the iPad Pro just around the corner, it might be a couple of months away. But this this one feels like the right one for me. Again, four terabytes is a lot, but it's not like you know, it's not as much as I could get in another solution. I understand that, but I have to kind of weigh up what I'm looking for, and I'm not looking to keep everything 
that I make forever, forever. I'm just looking to keep a bunch of things for a long time. Um, and four terabytes is probably more than enough to do that. By the time that I would need more, I'm sure I could get bigger SSDs for cheaper. I think I'm only using about two or three terabytes uh, in my archive where I'm literally not throwing away anything on my Drobo, my big Drobo. Um, and although some of that space will be used by Drobo because it does its thing where it um, it's redundant. So if something dies, something else lives and all that. And it depends on how you set it up. But um, but yeah, that's that, I mean, that's a lot of space and, and silent, which is the other the other key thing instead of having. Um, the thing that I hated about having the external hard drives was that I ended up with that stack. I, ha- I ended up with like three one terabyte hard drives in their own enclosures, and they were all noisy, and they were all in a chain, and you had to find a place for them. And I just I hated it. So something like this, it's a it's a clever idea, and the the nice thing about it is that you don't have to fill it up, right? You could yeah. you could put you could put two in, and then buy another one later and slide that one exactly. in, and it adds to your storage, and then a you know and then add a fourth. And then at some point down the way, down the road, when the SSD prices are better, take one of the smaller SSDs and replace it with a bigger one, and it all just kind of keeps working. So that's yeah. interesting. I may I may get the enclosure and one SSD, right? One one terabyte SSD, mm-hmm. um, or maybe like two five hundred or something like that, um, and go from there. I think that that might be a good good place to start. Uh, like I don't need to max it out. Um, immediately so this is probably what i'm going to go for it seems to tick most of the boxes and i and i did kind of want something like a drobo um because i i like the idea of the drobo system right where it kind of you don't get you don't get four terabytes by putting four terabytes in it but what you get is data redundancy um and and that seems like a a good thing for me considering the setup that i have you know i have limited bandwidth so i can't back up a lot of this stuff um, to an offline, uh, to to an online backup, mm-hmm. so it has to be offline. So I like the idea of data redundancy in my online, in my offline backup system. <laughs> if I get right. online and offline right way around, then I'll be in a much better stead for this conversation. But yeah. that that's kind of what I'm thinking about doing. This seems like the right solution for me. So that's that's what I'm considering. And then maybe in a couple of years' time, or maybe in a year or so. Um, when we're in our own place, I might be able to look at something that's network attached as well as this. So I have a big honking disk that is attached to this thing, and then I could also uh, back up everything to something like a Synology as well. Step one, Jason. Step one. It's a good. It's a good place to start. I uh, I'm very happy to have a big a big drive that is you know one and, and a big logical volume because that's the other problem about having those three drives is that they're three different volumes so you end up having to kind of manage what goes where and what's yes. whole and what's yes. not and i hate i hate that i hate that too so it's nice having just a huge volume i can chuck all my stuff in there and it's it's there my my problem has been and i haven't mentioned this yet so i've been using crash plan as my primary uh, online backup for a while now and um it works. It works well. You know, it's not the most beautiful thing to look at, but it works pretty well. Um, but I discovered the other day that it was basically um, failing at backing up my entire uh, server volume, which is this big volume, because it didn't have enough memory allocated to it because it runs in Java. It needs memory allocation, and I'm still struggling with that. And I, I talked to a couple mm. people on Twitter who said, yeah, that's why I ended up switching to Backblaze was because my data set was too big. And it's it's a little bit infuriating because CrashPlan uh, offers unlimited, you know, data, 
basically. But clearly their app, uh, by default, cannot... Uh, you know, its idea of unlimited is pretty limited. <laughs> and uh, their, their support said, okay, well, why don't you add, you know, add more memory to the memory allocation? There's You click here and you type something in. And I did that. And uh, it's still kind of churning. But, you know, there are rumors that there's a... Uh, a crash plan native app coming that <laughs> doesn't require Java, yeah. um, and that would be that would be nice because this is and I paid for like three years of crash plan, so I'm not I would really rather not just switch to another backup provider at this point. And also, you know, I this is what I paid for is it's a volume attached to a computer in my house, and it it uh, I'm paying for it to be backed up, and it, it was basically. Uh, the, the most disturbing thing about it was that it thought it was backing everything up because it was sort of backing up everything that it could see before it sort of ran out of memory. Um, and that's the worst thing is that it didn't say, hey, I can't, you know, I can't back up all of that because there's not enough memory and sort of alert me. Instead, it just sort of silently went about backing up not everything. And that was not cool. So this is an edge case, I will admit, because I'm, I'm asking it to back up a couple of terabytes of data. But... That's why I'm. That's why I've got the service is to do this. So I will report back. Um, I'm in touch with their support people, and uh, I'll report back. But it's a little bit disappointing because um, I do have stuff on there that I want backed up eventually, backed up offline or backed up online somewhere, and it can take its time and back up at night and you know slowly trickle out. But I thought it was doing that, and it turns out that it's sort of not been doing that, and that's uh, that's frustrating. For me, that's like finding out that that happened. I don't think I could trust it anymore. And yeah, well, I'm. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I've already paid for a couple more years of it, so I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm going to see if I can uh, either get it to work or get them to give me their forthcoming <laughs> non-Java version if it truly exists or what. But um, but yeah, it's. Uh, Hey, it reminded me of the days back when you had to allocate memory to Mac apps by selecting them and choosing Get Info in the classic days, um, and uh, you you know that was like one big troubleshooting thing was that you would select an app and choose Get Info, and then you'd change how much memory was allocated to it. And there was like literally, I don't know if you remember this at all. There was literally a box that would say like 900k, and you could put it at 1900k. No, that's before like my that. time. I'm afraid. Oh man. The, well, this and this was exactly what I got with the Java thing. It was like, oh, I'll allocate more memory. Just click on the on the thing to bring up the console and put in this command line command, and it will allocate more more memory in Java for the app. And I thought, wow, feeling like feeling like 1998 all over again. Uh, yeah, I they are a sponsor. I use Backblaze. Um, I pay for back, for Backblaze as well, uh, and I have them running on my laptop which is connected to my home internet which is not I don't have it running on my iMac because that's connected to the OTE hotspot that I pay for so basically whenever the MacBook is on it sort of trickles data up to Backblaze on a very 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 slow internet connection that I have Mm -hmm. Um, but I like that it's there and and it's just another place for me to basically for me to back up my Dropbox right so it's just like a secondary place that all of that stuff goes to uh, which I kind of like that I have that um, but it doesn't cause me the issues, and and I really don't like the 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 idea that it looks like it's backing up what you're having, and but it's not. That is a kind of like at that point, it's kind of horrifying. It's basically not seeing everything when it sets the backup set for some reason, um, because it runs out of memory or it times out or something like that. And so and then rather than throwing an alert, it just says, okay, I'll, I guess this is it. I'll back it up. <laughs> That's probably not good. 
Uh, also, just before we recorded today, um, there was an update for the Apple TV. Apparently, it's 9.0.1, uh, which is what it relates to from the beta builds. Uh, it doesn't say that on the Apple TV. It just says there's a software update available, <laughs> and there are no release notes, so there's no way of <laughs> knowing that. what it does. But, I mean, 9.0.1, you'd assume bug fixes. Um, and no matter what it is, uh, I'm happy to see the pace of release. Um, it shows that, app, that there are at least some people working on it, right? Uh, that they had a 9.0.1 released basically a week after the product came out. So I think that's good. That's good to see. Yeah. Wish it, wish it was uh, let you provide some detail though, right? Yeah. I mean, Wouldn't my feeling nice? about it though, it's just going to say bug fixes. You know, it's just going to be one of those yeah. ones ah. anyway. So there's kind of no, sure. what it's showing. There's kind of no point in seeing it. Um, but, you know, I'm just happy to see that something's going on there. Let's talk about Apple TV a little bit, Um, but before we do that, we'll follow up from last week. All good stuff to say this week, I think, or or at least less bad stuff. (laughs) This week's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integrations, Braintree gets you ready to receive your payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they can make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now, you can add a similar experience to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stacks payment solution, support for all payment types for your customers may want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It's with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service with those fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com upgrade. So it's been a week uh, since we last spoke about the Apple TV, so we both yes. had a little bit more uh, time to play with it. And I was wondering if there's any changed opinions or just any kind of feelings or thoughts that you may have having spent a little bit more time with the product and gotten over the initial frustrations that we were finding last week. Well, yeah, I, I think one of the one of the challenges is I, I haven't set it up again right so yeah, sure. i i the, if if the complaints are about getting on board this is this is what when we talked about the iphone it's the same thing which is uh everybody complains about it and then they forget about it for a year and then they hope that it's better and it's not and then they complain about it again so i have no further complaints about setting it up because i haven't done that um we uh i wrote a piece on six colors about uh, my daughter's birthday party this weekend where they, they ended up uh basically playing music on the Apple TV and singing along for like an hour <laughs> loud. It was kind of amazing um, and impressive. And I, uh, once I got it in the music app, um, just because they wanted to hear a particular song, then my daughter took the remote away and uh, and pretty much was able to drive uh, the rest of the entertainment. But the one limitation was... Uh, she kept navigating to the thing she wanted and then pressing the menu button or the play pause button. And I had, and she was like, daddy, what is happening? Um, and which is sweet because that's the sort of thing that she used to say all the time when she was seven. 
and not so much when she's 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what ended up happening was she didn't realize you could physically click on the trackpad. So she was she was moving with the trackpad and then figured she had to press a button. Um, and so I said, no, no, you can uh, you can just click, just actually click. And she's like, oh, like real click. And she went and she was like, OK. And then that was it. She they had a great time. And uh, so that was a real world kind of experience where they were able to navigate without any problem. And they were playing a lot of music on Apple Music playlists and things and um, some music videos, too, that they watched. And they uh, yeah, they had a great time. And then we did some uh, we took some pictures. We set up like a photo booth kind of thing um, in my uh, garage office space. Actually, mm-hmm. I put up some lights and stuff and I um, shared those over iCloud photo sharing. And then we watched those. That was sort of the last part of the party was that they were watching all the they looked at all the photo booth pictures on the TV and there was much laughter at the photo booth pictures. And we just kind of kept that running as a screensaver um, while people picked up their their daughters at the end of the day from the party. So yeah, so that was, I would say, a positive interaction with, with the Apple TV. And I've done a couple other a couple other thing, things this week with it that, um, let's see, we played uh, we played Crossy Road 2-player a little bit more and had a good time with that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I have had, uh, I've had pretty good experiences with it. I, there's some stuff that, you know, there are apps that I wish were on there that aren't there yet, on there yet. And, um I haven't used it as much as you would think just because, like I said, I uh, usually just watch Netflix through my TiVo at this point because it serves as as that. And it runs Plex now, too, so I don't really need to go to the Apple TV for that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'd say it's been a, a perfectly fine experience. The one thing that I would say that um, – because we obviously got a lot of feedback about last week's episode. Um, one of the things that people pointed out is uh, it, the remote itself is um, – not uh well, how should i put this it, it it's the remote itself is a rectangle with buttons on it right and so it's hard to detect wet, which end is up when you pick it up in the dark which i think for a remote control this is the same reason why a pure uh like a touch screen interface where you have to look at the screen is bad for a remote control because nobody wants to take their eyes off the tv in order to control the remote. Well, the Apple TV doesn't have a screen, so that's good. Good call. Um, but you can lose the orientation where it's not, it's not, uh, it feels symmetric, symmetrical. Um, but somebody pointed out it's not, the buttons are not, right? There's a, sure. the, the, the up down buttons are connected. The, what, the plus minus buttons are connected. And the Siri button is actually concave, a little tiny bit. Um, the problem is this reminds me actually of it's not quite as bad as the third generation iPod, but if you remember that one with the four buttons across, that to orient because I I used to listen to that when I was uh, waiting in my room for my for my daughter to fall asleep. I you know after I would read the story, she'd want me to stay there until she fell asleep, and I did that for a little while, and it was really boring. So I'd have like one earbud in, and I'd be sitting there listening to a audiobook or music or something, and um and you, to orient with that, you had to like move your fingers on the iPod to try and figure out which button it was. But if you touch the button, which was the only way to orient, it would do whatever that button did. <laughs> it's a really bad design. Is that the one with the touch-sensitive buttons? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I would say that that's, that's the problem with this is, yes, if you look at it, you can orient it properly. But by feel, you have to sort of move your fingers across the buttons. And if, if, you, if you accidentally press a button or if you accidentally move your finger across the trackpad, there's some input problems there. But it is true that you can, if you become savvy enough, you can detect 
uh, that really it's like your thumb, if your thumb is oriented on the on the up and down button properly, you're like, okay, I've got it in the right direction. So it, it is there. It's just really subtle. Maybe, I, I guess if you were criticizing it, you would say maybe a little more subtle than it should be. But there is, it's not, you know, it's not identical by feel. So one of my big differences from this time uh, last week is I now have one of the game controllers. So I bought the Steel Nimbus controller. Um, And I would say everybody that I've spoken to about this seems to have vastly different opinions about this controller. Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, The buttons are fine. The D-pad is fine. The um the analog sticks are a little too concave uh in the middle, uh for my tastes. Um they they kind of they dip in way too much, so they're not great to hold on to. But the triggers are also really good. The, the it weights pretty well, and it gives you just another way to control the UI. Right, the D pad controls the entire UI of the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than I expected for some games, and it has improved every game I played with it. Um, except for Beat Sports, because Beat Sports is excellent with the remote. Have you played that yet? Uh, no, I haven't. You really need to. Trust me. Like If you want a good gaming experience on this device, that is it. Because um, it's built for the Apple TV remote, where others haven't been. Right, They've been ported mainly. Uh, right. But the controller really does change the way so many games are played. It's better for the... Um, for games like Alter's Adventure. Way better for Crossy Road, right? Having a D-pad that I can click. Makes it just easy to play. And I also yep. found a game uh, called Evil Knievel, which I had an amazing amount of fun with. You drive is Evil Knievel on motorbikes and jump things and do loops. And I was playing it for hours on the Apple TV very happily. I also now have it on my iOS devices. It's a really great game except for one flaw in that it doesn't sync your uh, progress across devices, which is kind of weird because it's a universal app on three different devices, but it doesn't do... It doesn't sync your yeah. support, uh, your your like your saved. But I mean, it's fine because I enjoy the game enough that it actually I actually don't mind replaying all the levels. Um, but it's a really fun game that works really really well. And when they showed me the Apple TV remote instructions, I was like, this would be impossible to play. Um, but with the the game controller, you just use the shoulder buttons to make him flip left and right and to make him go backwards and forwards. And I thought it was really good. So if you are serious about this, like about playing games on the Apple TV, I actually think that it is it is beneficial for sure to pick up one of the remotes. And the Steel Nimbus is the one that I have. I think it's the only one that's currently available um, that is at least ordained by Cupertino. But it does it does a good enough job, it, it, I find. It, it, it And it does make playing games, uh, a lot of games, a lot better. Like also Geometry Wars, which is a analog stick game. It's a two-stick game, and I again, I haven't even tried to play this with the remote because I don't even know how you would do it. Like the game has been all about two sticks on multiple platforms for a long time, and it plays really, really well with this thing, mm. with the with the Nimbus controller. So, I would suggest it. Um, uh, but I would also really suggest Evil Can Evil. That is my top tip of this week's episode. It's a fun, fun game that I haven't seen much of elsewhere. Huh. Interesting. I yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that either. But but uh, with a with a controller. Yeah. Ideally. Or play it on the I, on iOS devices. It's it's really good on iOS devices. So yeah, All that's right. that's kind of where I am with the Apple TV. I haven't spent too much time with it otherwise than to just to play some games here and there. Um like this was funny. So yesterday evening 
uh, me and my girlfriend were going to watch. We're currently wa- working our way through Thirty Rock, mm-hmm. um, and we were laying in bed, and I said to her, "You know, I could just we could just watch this on the Apple TV because we're at the point now where we have to buy the seasons from iTunes because only the first three are on Amazon." I was uh-huh. like, "We can just watch it on the Apple TV," and she's like, eh. "I'm like, yeah, I know." Like it's just at the other side of the room, but it's like, well, that's over there, and we've got this, we've got the laptop right in front of us. Like that is our way, right? That is just our way. And she said, you know, to me, as I've said before, like when we've got our own place, like we'll, when it's kind of in the way that we want, we'll put the Apple TV on our big TV in the front room and we'd watch it there. But at the moment, it just makes a lot of sense for us. But it did make me think about the fact that the iPad Pro, right, is the same size as my MacBook Pro. So mm-hmm. maybe that will change in a couple of weeks what device we're using to watch this stuff on. Yeah, well, the the iPad Pro is going to be a... It, despite its name, it's going to be a great um, TV. Yes. And movie and movie watcher. And they know it, which is why they put those four speakers in with the auto-detect, stereo, yep. all of that. Is because they... You know, this is the story of Apple. We've talked about it before on this show. You make up... You got to learn the lesson that people are going to use your product in all sorts of ways that you didn't intend, and so that's why the selfie camera is better, and that's why the iPad camera is better. Because you know, you might not believe that anyone should take a take selfies or take pictures with their iPads, but people are going to going to do it. So you might as well give them a good experience. And this is an example of that where the iPad Pro, no, it's probably not a product that you should target at watching you know movie watchers. This is a big screen for watching movies, and yet. Um, it's going to be really good for that. And who are we to judge people who buy it uh, just for that? But also keep in mind that pro users watch movies and TV shows too. So it makes, and, and why would you not watch it on that big, beautiful screen if you're, if you're not preferring to watch it on a big TV somewhere? So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I am laughing at the fact that you, you have spent, uh, did you get the big or the, or the small Apple TV? The small. Okay. So you've spent two, uh, the equivalent of about $200 on this product that you were not interested in. Yeah. Okay, because you bought the controller, the $50 controller. But Yeah, well, I that's, mean, because I'm more interested in it for games than TV, though, right? I've, well, and that's, that's always been the way. Like, I like to play iOS games at home, so this is a nice way to play iOS yeah, games at that's home. that's true. That's a good point. But I still don't care about it enough. Like, I've bought this device so I can talk about it on this show, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, I'll be sitting here going, Jason, what does the Apple TV do? And it just doesn't feel, for, to me anyway... Considering this is what I do for a living, that doesn't feel professional enough, which is why I put the money down on it. Which is why I'll also be putting an incredible amount of money down on an iPad Pro, because I think I want it, but I don't know if I want it. (sighs) Yeah. And I might return it. We'll come back to that in a minute, actually, because we finally had the pricing. But I just wanted to touch on uh, this emoji article that you wrote. Emoji vertical! Woo! I I really like this, because you kind of, indeed, you kind of uh, surfaced a frustration that I had but wasn't really 100% sure in, in how to kind of express it. And it's So you wrote this piece for Macworld, um, and you're basically talking about how great emoji are, which they are, and all of the new emoji are fantastic. I love them. I yeah. love the little nerd face guy, because I had previously I been use using... I use it all the time. Uh, <laughs> I was previously using the sunglasses guy as a way to represent me, so mm. I would use the little sunglasses guy because he wears glasses. But now I have the nerd face guy and his glasses look like my glasses. Yeah. So it's like, that is me. I am nerd face guy. So I love all the new emoji, but you have highlighted a problem. In this is as they have added a ton more, they are becoming more and more difficult to find in the Apple list yeah. that they have. 
Yeah, well, there's a and it's a huge number. It's the the nine one and uh, ten eleven one update added another hundred and eighty four of these. It's funny in Indianapolis, I I spent some time uh, at the release notes conference when at uh, the the mingle thing afterward of after dinner, uh, talking to Jeremy from Emojipedia, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that was cool because he knows. Um, he knows everything about emojis. <laughs> um, you could but, say his his knowledge is almost encyclopedic. Encyclopedic, right? yes. 184 new symbols, uh, and Apple is the first company to have this cover the whole Unicode uh, standard for emoji, which is cool. And it's not as simple as you'd think. I, I mentioned this in the article, and it's it's I I find it fascinating, even if nobody else may. Which is emoji. We mentioned on the show, so upgradians know all about it. Emoji fragmentation: the idea that there is no like art that is given to somebody to support emoji. It doesn't work that way. So platform owners and website developers basically need to make their own emoji um, or rely on the platform of their the, the users, but it'll come down to the platform user. There, there's no, like Unicode, the Unicode consortium doesn't have a budget and go out to an artist and have an artist come up with the official emoji and then give that away to everybody. None of that happens. In fact, I, I my understanding is that um, that Emojipedia will sometimes help because Emojipedia likes to mock up uh, potential future emoji. I think that the since Jeremy from Emojipedia is on the Unicode uh, emoji subcommittee, which is a great thing to say, the emoji subcommittee, uh, bureaucracy co- crossed with emojis. What could go wrong? And uh, I, I think they actually... Uh, that he's helping them out by having Emojipedia do some mock-ups because I think the Unicode consortium has no ability to do that. They have like little silhouettes of what the emoji are supposed to be, but basically it's incumbent on Apple and Google and Microsoft and Facebook and Twitter and anyone else who wants to do it for their custom for their websites to build this stuff. And um, and so it's a it's a lot of work. And Apple has been dedicated. They are paying a designer to come up with this consistent emoji. Uh, design f- across uh, iOS and OS 10, which is which is really great. But there are so many of them, and and this was what my article was about. That on on Mac you can bring up, I think it's Control Command Space. You can bring up a little floating emoji palette, and it's got. And if you scroll up, it's got a search box, and you can put in smile, and it'll bring up things that have smile in the name. And if you put in Germany. <laughs> I believe it will show you the German flag and you can click on it so that you insert a German flag when you intend to and not a Belgian flag, which I did once. And this is what started this whole story because I was sleepy and I realized that on iOS, you can't search for emoji. You've got all 184 new ones and the, the total number is some ridiculous number of how many? Six, 1620 total emoji characters possible. Um, and you can't search for them on iOS. So I, I think... Uh, you know, yes, this is not an earth-shaking b- subject. It's a fun subject, but emoji are fun, and they're easy. They're easy to type sometimes, and it would be nice if Apple, which has been so supportive of the display of them, um, maybe uh, took a look at at uh, better ways to to uh, choose them. Because yeah. on iOS, especially, it's kind of hard. You get to the flag segment, and literally, they are they are alphabetized by their country code. And you end up playing this game where you're like, let's see if there's a flag near the flag that I want um, that I recognize. And then from there, maybe I can orient and find out if it's alphabetically before or after that. And you have to know the country codes because if you're looking for the German flag, you have to know that that's D-E. Um, 
it's yeah it could be it could be better and on the mac you know the mac one is okay but i end up using launch bar um although other there are other sort of text expansion utilities that offer this but i use launch bar because launch bar has emoji built into it now and um and since i already use launch bar um i can type emoji you know tab and then the thing i'm looking for and it'll pop Mm. it up but I feel I feel like the best example of this right now is Slack. Slack does such a great job with emoji. Not only do they have a good picker, but they have a shortcut that searches the emoji dictionary. So if you if you type a colon and start typing something after the colon, it will autocomplete a bunch of options for other emojis that you could pick. And I I my gut feeling is that something like that might be the way for Apple to do it on iOS is a button. Um, somewhere, not just switch to the emoji keyboard and good luck, but like uh, an emoji button on the regular keyboard or, I don't know, I'm not a UX designer, but something that lets you very quickly go, I want a smiley here and it shows you smileys and you go to that one. Or I want a flag here and it shows you flags. Or I want ger- the German flag. I know the code for that and it auto-completes to that. So I just, I would like that part to be better. That's what the article's about. Yeah, there's a few things about this. Like one, uh, talking about Slack, Never ever would I have imagined that the uh, emoji reactions feature that they have would have actually caught on. Like, I really love using that, which is where you can add an emoji to a line of text. So somebody says something and you can react by just adding an emoji to it. Like, yeah. we use that a lot, right? We, we Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. That was I a surprise that. to me. I wouldn't have necessarily considered that that would have actually been something that we continued to use, but, but it's fun. Um, I think that um, I believe that Apple will help surface the emoji via search or something on iOS in the future. But the reason they haven't yet is because this has only really become a problem with nine one. Well, it does. It does. It, it certainly exacerbates the existing problem. Add, well, they added so many in one time. Well, nine zero added a lot of them too, right? So this is it's added. They've actually added a lot of emoji uh, symbols uh, very quickly in the last few months. Uh, yeah. oh, by the way, Jeremy, since he's on the committee, um, pointed out to me that their goal is, I think, to only add about sixty, only sixty a year. So this is only going to get worse. Although it's not going to, they're not going to drop one hundred and eighty at once, like like happened in uh, in nine point one. He says that the spec they're shooting for about sixty a year. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, I I expect that there will be some differences. I mean, it, yeah, you know, it's a it, different. It's tools. fun. They're on the Mac. There are lots of options, and on on iOS, we should say there are there are some custom keyboards. Actually, Apple's keyboard for Chinese input, I believe, uh, auto suggests emoji, um, and it may on some other keyboards. But somebody sent me a screenshot. The problem is, you need to know. Uh, you need to know the Chinese characters to get to that point. And there are custom keyboards that do a better job and have searchable emoji. And there's, in, in fact, um, Emojipedia. Uh, there's a link in our, our notes to this because you put it in there. Emojipedia makes yep. an app that I believe just shows you all the flags. Yeah, they worked with Quartz, the, the news agency, to create yeah. an emoji flag search keyboard. So there, there's some options out there, and, and they're good. And like I said, I'm using LaunchBar on the Mac. Um, you could set up your favorite emoji in Text Expander, or I mean, there's so many different ways you could do it. But um, it would be it would be nice. I I think this could be something. The delight. I'll put it this way, because this isn't this isn't even. It's the positive show, right? This isn't even a criticism of where Apple is, so much as to say, I didn't realize how great it was to have easy access to emoji until I used Slack more. 
Yeah. And I saw how Slack had said, you know what? Emoji is kind of part of the parlance of online conversation. And if we make it easy for people to use it, they'll use it more. And that'll make the conversations richer. And I agree with that. I, I feel like that was a smart move on their part. I think they're right. As silly as emoji, I, I heard from somebody this week who said, basically, what are you, 12? No, no adult should use emoji. And it's like, well, I disagree. No, no adult should use emoticons. No adult should use LOL. <laughs> you know, okay, you can say that. I will get off your lawn, sir. But uh, I think it adds to the richness of the conversation and is fun to boot. And once I saw how Slack did it, where I was auto-completing into emoji and I was started to think in terms of, well, if I want the German flag, that's flag DE. I know what to, what to type to get it. Um, once that happened, um, or is there a snowman and you do, you know, colon S N O W and you realize, Oh my God, there's a snowflake and there are two snowmen now. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Um, it opened up a, a lot of um, thinking of what what could be done with emoji input that I hadn't thought of before, and that and that's my point here is that having seen that, I look at that and I look at how it currently works on iOS and even on the Mac, and I think there's an opportunity there, especially on iOS, for uh, better emoji input, and that would make everybody's uh, everybody's uh, online conversations a little more fun. So uh, you know, it, it's it's an area I think that. It would Apple could add a lot of richness to iOS, especially if they if they put a little more emphasis on emoji input. It's silly. It is silly. It is not going to change the world. But but Mike, you know, you have to admit. I mean, in the Slack channel that we share, and in the other Slack channels that I'm in too, um, the emoji are like part of the. They they make everything funnier and mm-hmm. better, and and I think I think richer. I whether agree. it's whether it's just in the conversations or those emoji reactions, which are also hilarious. Uh, Merlin Mann does not agree. So, and if you would like to hear <laughs> Merlin's view on this, listen to episode thirteen of Reconcilable Differences. Reconcilable Differences, yeah. Of which, whilst I was editing, I was shouting at Logic uh, back at him. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's a yes. fun episode, uh, especially because John really kind of like parades Merlin around like <laughs> in this episode like to, to make him kind of the worst he can be it's it's a fun one to listen to <laughs> um I should also mention when, when talking about Slack that another feature that I like 11 uh, Slack that is not applicable to this conversation but I want to mention it is Slack is also great because they let you make your own emoji yeah um, and that makes that, that that also fills me with delight uh, we have a uh, in the incomparable chat room we have a Skeletor emoji it is fantastic um and you know it's uh it's 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 fun stuff it, it, it's it's no different than expressing yourself with like i said emoticons or animated gifs or uh, acronyms or any other kind of nerd uh, nerd code speak that's been going on since the beginning of the internet this is just uh it's pretty and visual and fun and uh i like it Today's episode is also brought to you by GoToMeeting. Think about all the time, money, and hassle that it takes to hold a meeting. You've got to get people in the same place. You've got to get all the IT stuff set up. You've got to get a projector set up. You've got to get refreshments sorted out. That is just hassle. There is a better way 
that you should be using. You can meet your clients and coworkers online with Citrix GoToMeeting. It is the smarter way to meet. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are, because with GoToMeeting, you'll be able to meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone without travel expenses or the hassle of travel. Your team can join by clicking a link, no signups, no speed bumps. You can turn on your webcam, and with HD quality video, it's like just being in the room. You can share screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time. With GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so you and your team can get on the same page and get going quickly. Stop wasting time with the crazy logistics of arranging meetings. Go and sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it for free for 30 days. There's nothing to lose. So go to GoToMeeting, that's G-O-T-O-M-E-T-I-N-G.com and click the Try It Free button and you'll have your first meeting up and running in minutes. Once again, visit GoToMeeting.com for your 30-day free trial. Thank you so much to GoToMeeting for supporting this show. So we found out today as we're recording, which is Monday, the 9th of November, 2015, that the mm. iPad Pro will go on sale on Wednesday, the 11th. Wednesday, yes. Um, online, and there will be stock in stores later this week. So right, Later probably... this week. <laughs> I you love know. that. That's like, might be Thursday, probably not. Might be Friday, probably. Some places, if you don't get a Friday, eh, Saturday is still part of the week. It'll I expect be, it's like, because be it's just depending on the store, right? I bet some stores will have them on yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. I, if I had to bet, I would say they'll have them Friday. And sure. uh, and then some of them will get them Saturday. If I if I had to guess, that would be my guess, that they won't, that, that, that there'll be a gap there. But you're right. It could be. It could be that, that when they open sales on Wednesday, they're already in some stores. Entirely possible. So I will be logging on on uh, on Wednesday to see if I can try and maybe reserve one for an in-store pickup uh, because that's what I like to do these days. I hate waiting at home for these things. But otherwise, mm. I'll just be popping down to a store later on in the week. Uh, I finally, as of today, have the pricing information that I've been waiting for. Mm. This is the first. This is the first time that any pricing has been released outside of the U.S. So I will be able to get. The 32 gigabyte model for £679. This um, is Wi Fi, and it goes up to 899 for the Wi Fi and cellular 128 gig. Doesn't have the pricing for the 128 Wi Fi, but I can assume that that will probably be in the £700 range. It's what, whatever they usually add on for the cellular version, I would imagine. In the US, it's always whatever it is. Good point. So I can just see what that amount is and just reduce it from the 879 from the uh, the 899 figure. So it's probably around 750, 760 something like that. Uh the Apple Pencil will be available for 79 pounds and the smart keyboard available in charcoal gray for 139 pounds. It's going to be an expensive week. Again. Well, so so what did you say? the The base model is six seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Wow, you are really getting it in the in the wallet there. That's that's a thousand dollars US. Mm-hmm. This is the usual pricing for the for the for the seven ninety nine model. So that that's a hundred. That's that's two hundred and twenty six equivalent dollars more than it is in the US. That's what the uh, VAT will do to you. Wow. Because if you remember, all of our sales tax is included in the price, right? Oh, well, that's true. That's worth remembering. That's true, because then, then I will have to add it in. But, but $7.99 is, is, is $5.29. Yeah. 
and and you're paying a lot more than that. I have uh, some friends who are visiting London. They've been there this last week. I think they're they're going home soon. But uh, one of them said a, had a tweet. Uh, who's they said uh, London is great. Let's live here. Looks at uh, looks at rental prices. Well, got to go back to work mm-hmm. <laughs> back home in Canada because uh, uh, yeah, things can be expensive there. But although you're right, the, you've got inclusive tax in the prices where we have the hidden. Secret surprise taxes that just appear. Yay. So even though the products are more expensive here anyway, at least the yeah. tax is included, which means we don't have like sticker shock at the checkout. Yeah. Well, also Apple is, and, and, and this has come up on past shows and I wrote about it at Six Colors too. Apple Apple is also, I think, anticipating a strong, a strong dollar continuing and they want to have... Um, the the stronger the dollar gets, the smaller their margins get. So I think that's part of it too. Is that they're 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 uh, they they are pricing based on what they think the currency markets are going to do. Um, but still, that's uh, yeah, that's pricey. You're gonna you're gonna be spending a lot of money on. Are you gonna get the thirty two? Are you gonna get the one twenty eight? Are you gonna go one twenty eight cellular? I'm gonna have to go one twenty eight because if I think I'm seriously gonna use this device, thirty two is ludicrous. All right. Um, I will probably go Wi Fi. Because I just tether, you know, um, and, and I'm I'm fine doing that with my current iPad. Uh, yeah. I always have my iPhone with me. I can just tether. Uh, that's so. That's probably what I do, what I'll do. But mm-hmm. I'll also be going in for the pencil and the keyboard because I want the full experience. Um, right. So All right. Uh, there was there's been some stuff today. There's been some press today. Like uh, Eddie Q did a kind of half-hearted demo to CNN Money. Um, which there's just been a few little bits and bobs flying around today. It looks like uh, the executives are in full PR force right now because um, I saw like Tim Cook is somewhere in London doing something and I think he was presenting to someone from the press as well today. So they're, they're doing the, the what seems to be the usual now for a product launch, right? They're making themselves very visible um, around yeah. this period of time. Um so I wanted to just bring this up because it's a little bit of news, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the iPad um, and how we're both using them now because me and you both upgraded to the Air 2 after WWDC, right? Because we have the, right. to take advantage of all the iOS 9 iPad-related features. So are you still continuing to use uh, the Air 2 if you switch back to the Mini? Like, where are you currently on this spectrum? I am uh, using the Air 2. Um, I, I haven't gone back to the mini. I still have my mini two is still in a drawer. And because I don't know, I keep feeling like I'm going to go back and look at it and, and consider it again. I'm actually working on a story that will probably not be out for a couple of weeks, which is sort of like a survey of the, all the, um, iPad models for uh, Macworld. They, they do this every year. And now it's as a freelancer, it's nice when they're like, Hey, we'll pay you to do this story that you used to write for free, uh, in your spare time when you worked here. Uh, but uh, so I'm thinking about this a lot. The Air Two or the Mini Two. When you say a survey, what does that mean? Oh, just like an overview. A uh, a I'm going to write about every single available iP- iPad and basically say sort of like which one is right for which person. Okay, like a buyer's guide. It is a it is a buyer's guide. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the mini my Mini Two, I I love it. When I pick it up, I think oh, it's so light and small and great. Um, but as I um you know as, as I discovered. Um, in the last year, I'm really feeling the fact that I am on the precipice of needing reading glasses at 45 years old. Um, and I fought it as long as I could. You got far. But, 
it's gonna but it's gonna happen i mean i've got i've got the long because i'm 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 uh, nearsighted so i've got the I've, i've been wearing glasses since i was 18 but um now i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do that and and the iPad Air 2 just has as many pixels as the Mini does, but they're bigger and spread out over a larger, larger distance. And when you're when you're getting old and your eyes are going bad, it's uh, nicer for it to be bigger. And I read, I do things like read comics on it, and I don't. So, so I'm I'm fully kind of committed to the Air 2 as much as I like the size of the Mini. And every time I pick it up, I think, oh, you're so nice. Um, I just, I, I think I think the Air 2 is. Uh, that big screen and and it is more powerful than the mini two certainly let alone the mini four that's out now it, that that one is more powerful but it's still not as powerful as the air two is my understanding so you know it's uh i love the mini it's really cool and i would use it if if uh and love it if i didn't have the air two but the air two is just that much more uh you know bigger it's it's all about the screen size so are you finding yourself in a situation where you're use, taking advantage of the multitasking features and stuff like that? Do you find them like? Do you use them seriously, or do you use them as like a novel thing? Well, the way I use my iPad, the multitasking features don't get used very much. Okay, I have those. I have those moments. Um, one of the ways you fight, uh, especially when you're writing, because doing podcast stuff, you kind of need equipment for. But when you're writing. Um, one of the ways you fight that kind of sluggish time when you fight the you fight the the tedium of like you're staring at the cursor and you know you need to write something and I'm not gonna call it writer's block because I think writer's block is not a thing I think there's lots of different things that make you not be able to write that get rolled up into writer's block and it becomes this legend but it's more like you're just staring at the screen and you're like I need to change what I'm doing here sometimes I will take like in the summer I'll take my laptop and I'll sit outside and I'll try to write outside because staring at the screen in the office isn't working. Let's try it. Let's try to change the location. And sometimes I'll do that with the iPad, either um, on the keyboard or I'll get out the Bluetooth keyboard and I'll go set it up at the dining room table and try that as a different a different kind of experience. And sometimes the iPad is a very nice focused experience. But most of the ways that I use the iPad day to day are not that. The, the you know, and so I don't use the multitasking features very much. I don't even use slide over. I think I forget that slide over exists until I'm trying to um, go forward in Safari, mm. <laughs> and I use that gesture to go forward that doesn't do that anymore because it's the slide over gesture, and I need to press the forward button instead. Um, that that's so I don't use it that much. Mostly, what I'm using is um, ideally when I leave the office at the end of the day or if I'm taking a lunch break or whatever, you know, I have a big iMac here. It doesn't come with me. I have a laptop, but it just stays docked behind me most of the time. Um, the iPad is what I'm using in the in in the house. That's my thing, my connection to the internet is that is that iPad. Uh, that's how I use it. And You mean when you're the, not in the office? When I'm not in the office. Uh, when I'm in the rest of the house. That That's how I'm using it. And so for, for me, you know, I've I, I, there are moments where I'm like, oh, I should split screen this and, and use it. But most of the time I don't, because most of the time it's, uh, especially on that screen, this is something I'm looking forward to trying in the iPad Pro, even on the Air 2 screen, you know, a split view with two apps, it feels a little crowded. It feels a little cramped. Um, I could put Slack on one side and Twitter on the other or something like that. And I have done that, but it feels um, it feels kind of cramped and it's actually easier just to have both of them open and just swipe between them. So I usually just do that. So 
you know, I'm not using those features a lot, but I, I do use my iPad all the time. And I, and I love it because it, it is fulfilling the, the, uh, the the space that a laptop used to take in my life where I would have a laptop on the dining or on the, like the living room, like the coffee table, just so that I could flip it open and look at something on the internet. And it's nice to not have to worry about that. And the, you know, the iPad does that instead. No, I definitely use the split view stuff all the time. Um, I wow. love it. It's it's the thing that makes the iPad a useful tool for me again because... So what are you pairing? What are you, what are you splitting? So quite a lot of the time... Um, I might be doing something and then maybe an email will come in or something like that and I will slide over Outlook um, and take a look at it. I may then turn it into a uh, like a, a multi-pane view to like look at something in Chrome, right? And bring it in. Like say, for example, somebody wants to uh, buy some sponsorships, I can bring up our sponsorship calendar in Chrome um, and take a look at it there, right? And kind of compare to see what's available. And then I can go flick back over and, and like into, well, I can just tap into Outlook on the right side or whatever and reply to it. Um, if I'm back, if I'm on Twitter, if I'm in Tweetbot, I usually will have something like Slack open as well, um, just because they kind of just go together for me because they're both just kind of like goofing off yeah. type stuff. Um, there are still some apps that need split view support for me, uh, like the Google Drive apps. And when I have those as well, like it will go to a whole, no- whole other level where I'll be combining notes and Google Drive to do show preparation. So I currently do that, but I'm like flicking over into the multitasking view and going mm. back or I'm using notes in slide over and then I go back into drive and then I slide over notes again and go back into drive. So I see only for me a continuation of my use of this feature as time goes on, in all honesty. I feel like it is, after having used used it for a while now, I feel like the next logical step for it is a little less maintenance, if that makes sense. Like, one of the problems I have with it is it doesn't always do what I, what I kind of, I've realized I want it to do. And again, as a first iteration... I think it's fine, but um, you know, obviously there are things like the list of multitasking available apps that that you you see in the slide over um, is not sustainable with a large number of apps on your device. That is an inelegant view. Yeah, and then I, the other thing I would say is I kind of want, and how you make this work with gestures and have it be something that regular users can understand, I don't know, but I find myself wanting pairs of apps to live together. And so I feel the same. Yeah. So I press one icon and have two apps launch. Yeah. Like if it knows that when I have a Tweetbot or Twitterific open, I want Slack to be with it. Or when I have Slack open, I want a Twitter client to be with it, whatever my choice is. Um, that when I'm in the home screen and I tap on Slack, that it open in the split view with the app that goes with it. But if I have some other app, I have Safari open, it knows that, well, Safari is open with notes. And so I will open Safari with notes. And right now it doesn't do that. It, it sort of like you set the sidebar item, whether it's slide over or split view, that the right hand side item, and that's the app that opens with whatever app you open. And again, makes sense for a first crack at it, but I find myself wanting context there. I find myself wanting these apps to know who their buddy is and bring the buddy along. Come on, buddy. It's time for us to open up. Both the apps are going to open up and that doesn't happen right now. Yeah, I, I think that would be nice. I I think that that is, you know, I would love to see an app 
like workflow have the ability to do something like that right like you create a custom icon that you hit and it opens the two apps together that'd oh be awesome. yeah that'd be nice but it can't right there's no way you could do that right now it, no it's gonna have to be a it's gonna have to be a system thing um the other thing i would say is uh with the work that apple's done on the proactive stuff in ios 9 especially oh, yeah. i think you see mm-hmm. that on the iphone i would love to see a proactive uh list of suggestions of apps for the sidebar right so 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 it could actually make a good guess about what app you probably want to load yeah as opposed to just time based be like oh well when you have this open you usually want this open yeah and have it be even if it doesn't select it for you automatically to have it be a suggestion at the very top because those those can work pretty well i i'm shocked when i switch to the proactive view and go oh there it is that's the app i wanted it it doesn't always happen but it happens more than i thought it would so you know these are other other directions but for me that i think it actually does limit my use of split view because I feel like once I'm in split view, I'm also committing that I have to do maintenance on split view. I need to, then I load another app later and I'm like, Oh, I still had split view. I've got to close that out or I need to change apps or something like that. And I'd like it to be, um, I'd like it to just be less work. I'd like it to sort of, again, how you do this is an open question and what encumbrance you add on top to get this stuff to be set up that way, I think is an open question. Um, and it's a challenge for, for whoever is designing that feature at Apple. But it wouldn't it be nice if I know that this app, I always want to open full screen, but the, this app, I always want to open with this other app next to it. That would be that would be cool. Let's see how the, or if the iPad Pro will change our, your opinion, at least, mm. on the split view, right? The more real estate may help that. Just more more room. Oh, that's going to be, more room will be huge. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm 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 becoming more and more excited about the thought of it just because of how much I'm using the Air. But I don't know how I would feel about the bigger device, right? The added weight, the added size, like all of those things. That they're, they're right. all of the unanswered questions that make me consider how good the potential functionality could be when compared to the adding on of the rest of the device, right? Well, I can't wait. I mean, not only will we, you know, be able to get them this week, but presumably there's a whole set of uh, embargo reviewers out there who are getting ready to drop their reviews this week. So there'll be a lot yep. to read. There'll be lots of things to order and spend money on. And then there'll be products. So it's an exciting week. It's iPad. I think I did a post on Six Colors today that was basically, hey, it's iPad Pro week, it turns out. <laughs> Apple released a press release that says, iPad Pro, this is the week we 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 are excited about it. So hopefully next week will be the week where we uh, get to talk about it on Upgrade. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, this is relentless, right? This is the last one, I think, but it has been quite a fall. The, the fallout from that September 9th event, which is we've got a lot of products to show you, and then we're going to be dropping them over the course of the next two months because it's two months today since that event. Um, it's been it's been busy. They've been they've been busy, and uh, so we've all been busy, and it's good. But I I feel like this is probably the last one until next year. Yeah, there's nothing else, right? Yeah, there's nothing else from that event. Nothing promised. No, I mean they could they could you know call call me up next week and say, hey, we got something new. Come on down and visit us. But I I think it's unlikely. I hope so. I think they've got some Christmas shopping to do and they're done. Yeah, this has been uh, like a season that I don't think there's ever been before, like product release wise. Actually, okay. So I think it's the most I, that's the most we've seen in a while. But there was a year and I can't remember what year it was. Um, and my colleagues at Macworld will back me up on this from back in the day. Uh, there was there was a year where the first the the Tuesday 
every Tuesday there was an Apple product announcement for like 12 straight weeks, 15 straight weeks. Some of them were minor, some of them were major, but there was something. There would be like an iLife rollout, and then there'd be a new iPod, and then there'd be a new laptop, and then there'd be a, uh, an update to Final Cut Pro. And th- there was, there was an, I talked to Apple PR at the time about it, and they're like, yep, well, this is, somebody obviously said, what if we were just in the news forever? And everything we did, we just dripped it out one at a time. And that was exhausting. It was a lot of fun. And when you're doing a monthly magazine, I, I have always said to the people at Apple, <laughs> At Apple PR, when I when I was at Macworld, I would always say to them, you know, one really awesome looking new Apple product every month works for us. <laughs> it's like that is great because there's nothing better than putting a, a new Apple product on the cover of a of a computer magazine. It was always the best thing you could do. Um, so they did that for a while, and then there was one Tuesday where it was like oh, no PR, and it's like let's call Apple PR see if they're okay, and they're like, yeah, that we're it's done, it's over. But they did it. This is this is the biggest one I can remember since then, where there's been a real march of, of, of products over time. But they did do that kind of masochistic product rollout one time, where there was like three months where there was something new every week. It was crazy. I would really love it if you could follow up on what that time what was <laughs> okay, and I'll what look, the products were. I'll look into it. I'll look at the Apple PR archive. I would really like to know that now. But it was a it was a crazy time. We could, we could maybe go back in time, right? And uh, we could do each one little historical upgrade. Yeah, that sounds like fun. All right, I think it's time for Ask Upgrade. I think Jason, so. Jason, could you please uh, thank our Ask Upgrade sponsor for this week? Ask Upgrade is brought to you this week by stamps.com. Uh, trips to the post office, never convenient, often unpleasant. We're getting toward the holidays. Oh, oh it's not a good time to go to the post office. You can get postage, though, right in your desk. You don't have to go to the post office. You can use stamps.com. It'll even give you special postage discounts that you cannot get at the post office. And that includes first class and priority mail and express international. You're sending something to Mike and more. You'll never have to pay full price for postage again. So here's how it works. You use your own computer. You use your own printer. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Then you hand it to your letter carrier or drop it in a mailbox. That's it. No talking to people if you don't. Well, I mean, if you hand it to your letter carrier, you should probably say hello. Be polite, please. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to go to the post office. Um, It's no wonder more than half a million small businesses are already using stamps.com. That is amazing. It's $15.99 a month. That's it. You don't have to make a long-term commitment. Like uh, postage meters often require, there are no markups on postage. In fact, you can get postage discounts with Stamps.com, so it's really a no-brainer. Right now, you can sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code, which is UPGRADE, and get a special offer for a four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Digital scale, very cool. Plug it into your Mac. You go to the Stamps.com webpage. It weighs whatever is sitting on the scale and auto-fills it pretty amazing so don't wait go to stamps.com before you do anything else click on that microphone at the top of the homepage and type in upgrade that's how they know that we sent you there that's very important makes them like us and that's stamps.com click on the microphone and enter upgrade and thank you to stamps.com for saving me from visiting the post office and for sponsoring ask upgrade first question comes from jimmy for Christmas, I need real lasers. We can look into that. We saw, I'll give you some laser sound effects for Christmas, maybe. Jimmy had a question for me this week. Jimmy would like Ooh. to know uh, what case I use for my iPhone. So, Jimmy, let me tell you, because Jimmy's just joined the Plus Club. 
the only the only good club to be a part of, of course. And yeah. hashtag indeed, Mike was and right. And the case that I use is just the Apple Silicon case. <laughs> um, I'm very happy with the Apple Silicon case. It does a good job. Um, it's maybe a little bit bulkier than I would like at times, but I like the colors and I like the grip, and it has the Apple logo on it, which is nice. Um, so I think it does a really good job, and it's it's the case that I like to use. Nice and simple. All right. Do, do you use a case? Good I bet you. you don't, right? I I have the leather. Oh, I have okay. the Apple leather case. It's the same one that I had on on the six that I've just moved over to the six S, and uh, it fits slightly more snugly on it, but it still fits. And uh, I like it because it adds adds that extra grippiness to it. And so I've gotten used to it. It's the first case that I have used in an extended way over uh, my entire lifetime of uh, iPhone ownership. Um, But I like it. It's just the black uh, leather Apple case. There you go. Uh, Now Vic has a question for you. Uh, Vic wanted to clarify something from last week's episode. Uh, And Vic asked, did I hear correctly that you said that Apple would not intend to support the iOS remote app on the new Apple TV? That is a quote that you said you were told uh, from the, the mouth of Apple PR to your ears? From, well, from a guy. So what happens at these Apple events is it's it's uh, every every uh, device that's out there, and there are lots of them that's being demoed, there's an Apple employee with it that's sort of its minder. And those are Apple employees. They can't all be Apple PR and marketing people because they don't have that many of them. Um, or maybe it's marketing people, but it's not just the Apple PR team. It's a lot of other Apple employees. They are often not people you've met before. You don't know their names. They don't wear name tags. They don't identify who they are. But they've all been trained to say basically the same things, what to demo, what not to demo, what not, what to allow you to do, what to not allow you to do. It's all pretty well trained. And my story is that when I asked him about the remote app, this guy who I didn't, I don't think I knew, if I'm recalling correctly, um, said that they weren't, I expected him to be non-committal about the remote app, and he said, um, "When I said, uh, you know, are you going to be able to use the remote app?" The answer was no, and I was like, "Well, that's weird and interestingly specific." And I just filed it away and didn't really think about it much more um, until the uh, Apple TV shipped, and it wasn't there. So, I that's a they pronounced it from a, some guy who is an Apple person who was trained. It could very easily have been a misstatement. The fact is that remote app hasn't been updated. It doesn't mean that there isn't a new Apple TV app coming that is more fully functional than that remote app, which is, if I'm being honest, kind of showing its ears. It was built to control iTunes on a Mac, basically, a long time ago. And it's, you know, they could probably build something new that's better, um, or they could retrofit it if they wanted to. But it wouldn't shock me if there was just an Apple TV app that came out at some point. I'm surprised that it's not out now and that there isn't a way to you know, more easily input things like text and, you know, maybe even use to emulate the the Apple remote on the Apple TV. Um, also, the Apple TV only supports one Apple remote right now, which I wonder about for game reasons and things like that. Maybe there's a software reason why it's not doing it yet. So there may be software updates for the Apple TV to come as well. But um, certainly it would be nice to have the ability to remote control that Apple TV from an iOS device. Um, I can't believe that there isn't something in the works, but um, the person told me no flatly when I asked, and that has been borne out in the sense that we're a week out with this product now, and that app hasn't been updated since April. Pascal has shared a, a wish, um, kind of from the Apple TV to iOS, how great it would be for universal search for content in the same way 
that you can use the Apple TV. So, for example, hey Siri, play this song in Spotify. Or, like, you know, hey Siri, play this song, and it shows you the available places that you can grab it from. Um, do you think that this is something that you would, would be interested in? I guess Spotlight goes some of the way by indexing content, but it's a little bit different as, like, searching for something that you don't know that you have, right? And it's showing you, or you can watch it on Netflix or iTunes or Hulu or... Would you want to see mm-hmm. that on iOS? Yeah. I mean, this is this is all all this stuff. I don't know. It's weird. The Siri stuff and the Spotlight stuff, it's all kind of mixed around. And you would like to see it all kind of intermingle, right? I think it would be great to have the hooks. I mean, apps apps can contribute to Spotlight on iOS, though, right? They can do that now. They can contribute to the index. Um, I'm not sure whether Spotify is or or an app like it is capable of say downloading the entire Spotify library of uh, strings for all the songs and putting that in Spotlight because it may make there may be limitations on that and it might make your phone explode. Um, but uh, yeah, the more uh, the more of this stuff, the better. It would be great to be able to ask Siri about a song or an album and have it say, "Here it, you know, here it is on Apple Music," or "You're not logged into Apple Music, but Spotify has it," or whatever. And I think we'll probably get there. Uh, next up, we have a question from Rob: What apps are you hoping will come to the Apple TV? Um, for me, I really struggled with this question, so I just thought about a couple of the things that I really like that I, that I kind of wish were there already. Uh, one of them is threes. I think threes would work really, really nicely on the Apple TV. Like the remote, like the touchpad on the remote is kind of built for a game like threes, really. Um, and I would also like to see Overcast um, on the Apple TV as well. Uh, I've got to say Overcast, I, I agree with podcast apps in general. There's an opportunity there. Apple's podcast app isn't there. Um Amazon video. Yeah, I Amazon didn't even think video. of that one. I there. I mean, but yeah, of course. I think I kind of just wrote it, wrote it off in my brain. Uh, Spotify? Yep. There isn't a Spotify app for Apple TV yet, is there? I don't TV know. Yet, I don't use there? Spotify. I use Apple Music for my sins. Mm. So Jamie uses Spotify. My daughter uses Spotify. <laughs> and uh, at her birthday party, that would have made it much easier because she's got her playlist and everything like that. And uh, and she insists on using Spotify, even though it, even though it's the unpaid Spotify with ads and low quality. Um, even though I have Apple Music, she has access to Apple Music. I don't understand it, but it's the kids, kids today. What what are you gonna do? Yeah, she they should get really off my should. lawn. My lawn is dead. There's no water. There's no lawn anymore. Um, I so something like Status Board, um, and other stuff like that that turns your TV into kind of like an information hub. I think would be interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure how you would. Uh, how you would architect some of that stuff, but I would like to see it. Um, you know, th- their favorite games. You mentioned threes. I think that's. I think that's a good example. Other, other uh, fun games would be uh, would be nice to see. But but those are the two that I I think of as you know something like a podcast app, something like Status Board from Panic, and uh, and uh, yeah, other other media stuff like Amazon and Spotify, just to load load that up with every media option that you could possibly imagine. Tristan has asked, um, any chance of the of an of Apple releasing an iPad Air three within the next few months? Um, Tristan says, I want an iPad Air, but I don't like that it's last gen technology. Mm. The last gen technology thing is quite interesting because it's kind of not last gen. It was always extremely overpowered. The iPad Air two. Right. So it's kind of current gen. Right. 
Yeah, well, the 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 shipping of the iPad Pro will mean that the iPad Pro has got a processor that is much more powerful than what's in the Air Two, right? Yeah, but but you're right. The iPad Air Two was way more powerful than what came before it. So, like, but when when the iPad Air Three comes out, there is the potential of an iPad Pro Two, which will have a faster processor in it again. Right, potentially. Um. My answer to this question is the chances of Apple re- releasing an iPad Air 3 in the next three months are, let's say, what percentage do we want to ascribe to something that is highly unlikely, but you never know because Apple continues to do things that are unexpected that are not in the playbook from the last five years every now and then? Yeah, 5%. Uh, it's not impossible, but I think it's highly unlikely that you'll see an iPad Air 3 before, um, you know, first week second week of september next year it'll get announced um and we'll do this all again where that one will get what the ipad pro has now and the ipad mini won't get updated because it got updated last year and we'll just kind of take this little product cycle and do this for a while yeah i'm i still i do believe now my belief is that uh, the each ipad line will get an update every two years yeah it may the pro may get updates faster than that because it's brand new and they want to make up, uh, uh, make an impression with it. Um, but other than that, I, here's what I would say to Tristan: I, when I'm working on this MacWorld story, spoiler alert, I, I think I'm going to I'm um, recommend the iPad Air 2 wholeheartedly as the most mainstream. If I need to get an iPad, what should I get? I have no hesitation to recommend that product, even though it's the same product that they sold last year because it was so far ahead when it was released and it's still so impressive technically and it doesn't feel like a year old product it feels like everybody got a, got this year's product a year early so um that's what i would say is i i, I think people shouldn't have fear of buying the ipad air 2 i don't think it's going to get replaced in the next few months and it's uh still an incredibly impressive piece of hardware and then finally today uh we have a question from scott who uh, wanted to know what I thought of the iPad Pro keyboard being US layout only, and he links to the UK page, and it has a, a note right at the very top, which says, Smart keyboard for iPad Pro is available in US English keyboard layout, which is disappointing to me, because mm. it's not the keyboard that I use. Um, and Right, I know, you use the, that funny boot, keyboard with the pounce with, on We have the, the uh, return key. The return boot. Um which is, I don't know, it's it's very frustrating. Uh, I don't know why Apple is releasing a keyboard in just one configuration, um, especially when they know they're doing it because they own up to it. Uh, it just seems like a peculiar choice to make. Um, I'll try it anyway. Uh, I think I could probably get used to it, but I'm not overjoyed at the fact that it, it will feel weird to me to type on this, other than the fact that it, just looks like a weird keyboard anyway right Hmm. i don't know obviously it's complicated enough to make it that they are only currently making it with one localization i imagine that's the reason for it is not that they don't like other people but that they just don't have the wherewithal to make it in multiple they should have just chosen the uh uk layout because it's superior anyway Oh, I see. Yeah, that's the one that they should have chosen rather than the US one, I think. I see. It's, it's the way they should have gone. Mm. It's a shame. They missed out. They Smart missed move. out. 
If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 62. If you want to find me and Jason online, there's a few places you can do that. We're both on Twitter. Jason is at Jasonell, J-S-N-E-L-L. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And you can read all of Jason's lovely work over at sixcolors.com, which is where you'll find original pieces. And it's also a hub for everything else that Jason does on the internet. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors this week, the great people over at Casper, Stamps.com, and Lynda.com. And we'll be back next time, hopefully, with iPad Pros in our hands. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, everybody. 